Welcome to this week's message. I'm Malcolm Baxter, Senior Pastor of Heart Church, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you've been coming for years or it's your first time on the podcast, we hope this inspires you. I was quite taken aback a moment ago when we were told to look at somebody and see how great they look, because firstly, you are a very good-looking bunch of people. Do you know that? I'm just... I mean, look around you. Some very, very, very well-turned-out, do you know what I mean? And you do look particularly great today. Have you done something different with your hair? I, I don't, I've, I, I've, I've changed from Mr. Sheen to beeswax. <laughs> In that moment, I'm not going to point any name, fingers or, or, or name any names, David Gill. But in that moment, David Gill looked at me before he was willing to say, you look okay. And you know something, you're right, they are too short, but if we don't draw attention to it, nobody will notice. <laughs> nobody will notice. Fantastic. Do you know, this week, I have been praying for you. I have been praying for you. And I've got to say, it's, it's, I have nothing I've ever prayed as much for a congregation that I was going to be preaching to as I've prayed for you this week. I've been praying some very specific prayers. If you put slide one up, I've been praying some very specific prayers. I've been praying that you live fruitful lives. I've been praying that you live fruitful lives. And as I've been preparing for this word today, I, just a few chapters after this chapter that I'm going to be preaching from this morning, in John 17, Jesus prayed for you as well. He didn't just pray for people. He didn't just pray for his disciples. He prayed for all of those who were going to come to faith as a consequence of their ministry. And he saw you and he prayed for you. And specifically, he prayed for some things to happen. And the consequence of them happening would be that you would live a fruitful life. And I believe that in this season, in this time, in this generation, it's time for a fruitful life. This, this nation, this, this generation, this world right now, this, 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 this nation could do with a few hundred thousand fruitful people. Would you not agree? Do you know what I mean? And I want to tell you right now that the seed that's going to result in that fruitfulness is in this room right now. And Jesus has prayed for it. And I've prayed for it. So what do I mean by fruitful in that context? I mean, I'm talking about an abundant life. An abundant life, not just a life of meagre, scratching out an existence. I'm talking about abundance. I'm talking about a sweet life, a nourishing life, an attractive life, a life of multiplication. Because you know something, fruitfulness multiplies. Because the very definition of fruit is that it's got seed in it. And it's got the consequences of its own existence wrapped up in it. And the consequences of its existence is more fruit, which has got more seed and creates more fruit. And has got more seed and creates more fruit. And you know, fruitfulness was God's intention in the very moment of creation. He spoke to Adam and Eve and he said to them, go and be fruitful. Fill the earth and subdue it. Go and be fruitful. Hallelujah. Go and be fruitful. Anybody want it? Come on. Anybody want it? 
come on, hallelujah. So what does biblical fruitfulness look like? And how might a person ensure that they experience it? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, it contrasts two separate things. It's the works of the flesh, plural, the works of the flesh. And that word flesh, sometimes I think erroneously is translated the sinful nature. It actually just means the meat, your brain and your body and what that can do. And it lists those things, and some of them might seem attractive and be celebrated. Ambition, pride, but fundamentally they're not. And it contrasts them with the fruit of the Spirit. Singular, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the harvest of the Spirit. What comes out when what goes in is the Spirit, is the fruit of the Spirit. And Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23 says what the fruit of the Spirit are. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit singular of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And many scholars believe that all of the other ones are just subsets of love. As love is the fruit of the Spirit. And the consequence of that is joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I'll ask again, does anybody want it? Would anybody find that attractive? Would anybody find their relationships improve? Would anybody find it easier to draw people to them and to draw people to Christ if they had that experience in their lives? Because I believe that that's what God wants for you in this season of your life. We're coming to the end today of a season, a series called the I Am series. Andy Copsey did an amazing job at the beginning talking about the fact that in the book of John, John described seven times when Jesus used the phrase, I am, in its isolated state. But seven other times, he made I am statements with sensational claims attached to them. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I, we feasted on that word in this season. And today, I'm going to be looking at I am the true vine. And when Andy set us off on this journey, he said that just as important as what Jesus said that he is, it's the way that he told us that that's what he is. He said, I am, which was a transliteration of God's very name, Yahweh. I am. Jesus was saying, I am God. And it was astounding and it was shocking and it was revolutionary. And Andy read... From John chapter 20 verse 30 to 31. And in John chapter 20 verse 30 to 31 it says, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, the whole story leading up to the moment when Jesus spoke the words I'm going to read in a little while. The whole story leading up was a story of thwarted fruitfulness. 
God told man to go and be fruitful. God said, be fruitful, fill the earth, subdue it. Just one rule, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And man couldn't do it. He couldn't resist the temptation to do the wrong thing. So God gave man a huge set of rules and said, well, live this way and it'll go right for you. And man couldn't do it any more than you could stand up right now and pull yourself an inch off the ground by pulling on your own shoelaces. People are not able to live the life that God wants you to live. Anybody willing to testify that? That which you would do, you don't do. And that which you would not do, you do. That whole story was leading in up to this moment. And so we come to this moment where there'd been decades, centuries, millennia of yearning to be who God intended them to be, to do what God wanted them to do. And throughout that time, God spoke to his people through prophecies. There's a prophecy in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, 25 to 27. And it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you. Everyone say cause you. And cause you. Not require you, not expect you, not instruct you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. God's people waiting, wondering, what's going to happen? How's God going to bring that about? And that expectation coalesced around the expectation of a promised one sent from God, one anointed by God, a Messiah who would come and fulfill God's promise to bring transformation into the lives of people. And here is Jesus and his answer to the questions that were pounding in their hearts. What is the way? What is the truth? What is the source of eternal life? What is going, who is going to look after the sheep of God's pasture? Who is going to lighten this darkness that we find ourselves in? Who is going to fill this emptiness inside of me? And his answer... I am. I am. So here we are in the upper room. As Joel so clearly said last week, so much going on. Judas has already betrayed him. He'd already predicted Peter's denial. He'd washed his disciples' feet. He's just about to leave for Gethsemane, where he would be arrested and thereafter tried and executed. And then he would defeat death and rise triumphant with healing in his wings and make a way for every single individual to have that relationship with God where God's spirit dwells in them and he causes them he causes them hallelujah God is the cause not just the object of our desire of our focus and Jesus said I am the true vine I am the true vine. Let's read from John 15. Hallelujah. 
I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For anything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. I am the vine. If you want to be fruitful, be transformed by me. If you want to be fruitful, be connected to me. If you want to be fruitful, let the Father look after you. And what that fruit will look like is love. What that fruit will look like is love and joy and peace and gentleness and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. See, the message of the gospel is that it's not about you trying very hard by works of your flesh to do the right thing, to keep your nose clean, to stay on the straight and narrow, to avoid straying from the path, to keep the rules. It's not about what you do at all. It's, what about, it's about what he did for you on the cross at Calvary, when he took the punishment that you deserve, so that if you receive it, if you accept it, you're grafted into him and you can bear much fruit. It's about God reaching to you, reaching through you, into your world with the goodness that he expresses to you. It's not about works. It's about fruit. We had some really great teaching. I mean... Jana told us what a door was, and <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. I felt, and, and and Tamsin told us what death was. I think didn't we? Was that there? Told us what death was, which I was, is revelatory. I'm going to tell you what a grape is. Okay, we've got a picture of a grape here. Can we put a picture of a grape? This is a grape. Now the thing is, a grape is a very complicated thing. Yeah. A grape is a very complicated thing. I mean, can you see the structure here? It's got a pedicel, it's got a skin, it's got flesh that goes right the way through 
to the seed, which makes you, that's the definition that it's actually a, a true berry. It's not a grape, it's a grape berry. But look at these chemicals. And I've got to say, these chemicals have got to be in finely tuned proportions, or the wine that comes from the grape will be completely rubbish wine. I can't even, flavanols and hydrosoxybenzoic acid, gallic gentistic salicylic acid, still beans, um, hydroxycinamic acids, P-cumuric, caffeic, ferulic, hydroxobenzoic, that's a lot, isn't it? I, I'm beginning to feel sorry for those branches, do you know what I mean? How many lectures do they, how many lectures do they have to go to so that they can learn how to create fruit as complicated and subtle as that? Do you know what I'm saying? I've got this mental image of all these branches in white lab coats at rows and rows and rows of lab benches, figuring out how to, oh no, you put too much, you put too much hydroxybenzoic acid. Well, you've only been doing this 18 months, don't worry. When you get your pee. That's nonsense, isn't it? Absolutely nonsense. A branch doesn't bear fruit by working really hard. A branch does not bear fruit by working really hard. No, a vine branch bears fruit because it is in its nature to do so. It's in its nature to do so. Come on. I want to tell you right now, that seems countercultural to some people. God wants you to bear fruit. But he's not asking you to work really hard to do it. You know, some people are absolutely addicted to the fact that I'm a self-made person I do what I do and everybody can see how great I am but I want to tell you right now hard work and make it happen can do attitude they are a good thing sometimes I'm not saying let's just be lazy and laid back and easy going some of the most fruitful people I know are focused on their mission on their vision on the purpose that God's placed in their heart they can be a good thing but they're not the thing. They can be. We read that scripture earlier about he's given them beauty for ashes, oil of gladness for mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It goes on, it says, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God wants you people to see your good works and worship your creator who is in heaven. He wants to recognize that you didn't get what you've got. You can't do what you do because you're amazing. You got what you got and you can do what you can do because he's amazing. Do you get that? That's the purpose of God for your life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. Not if anyone is in church, not if anyone has done the course. Accept him as your Lord and Saviour and you will bear fruit. Fruit that endures. And you might say, well, I'm not bearing fruit. My nature's wrong. But I want to tell you right now, you're made incomplete by design because you need to be connected to the branch. Your branch needs to be connected to the vine, which is Jesus. Do you get that? If you're thinking my nature's not enough because on my own I can't bear fruit, well, this scripture says that's the point. You can't bear fruit on your own. And I'm here to ask some of you here, have you ever responded to that offer to be grafted into the branch which is Christ Jesus. Because if you haven't and you're trying to live a Christian life, or even trying to live a good life, you're just like that person I mentioned earlier, pulling himself up by his own 
shoelaces and thinking somehow he's going to fly. It's not going to happen. So it's about nature. And in order to achieve what it is to be fully human, you will be grafted into the vine, which is Christ. I've got another image here of a... Can you see these nodules with vines growing out of them? This is rootstock. In Europe now, virtually every wine vine is grafted into rootstock. At the time of Jesus, it wasn't everywhere. It really took hold in the 1850s when a terrible disease nearly destroyed all of the grapes in the whole of the world. And they found one sort of rootstock that wouldn't be destroyed by this disease. But at the time of Jesus, rootstock would have been used. And you would have a rootstock and you would bear the sap-producing tissue by removing the bark. You would put it in close proximity to the bare, sappy tissue of a branch. You would bind them together extremely tightly. And this branch could now bear fruit that it wouldn't otherwise be able to bear in that soil. In the soil that it's planted in, it would, it would, it would not flourish at all. But in this circumstance, it is able to. See, the thing is, nature is necessary, but nourishment is also necessary. To be grafted into the vine, which is Christ. To receive your power from him. Not your effort, not your energy, not your good works. The life-giving sap flows from the vine to the branch. And nourishment results. And Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, in his presence, in his word, let the oil of his spirit flow. In humility, recognize I can't do this on my own. I can't be what I need to be without you, Lord. I need to be in you. But you know something? It is possible to have a new nature, to be nourished by God's word, and still to be unfruitful. Really? Just like a world-class vine can become overgrown, over leafy, spindly, or weighed down by too many low quality grapes. It's possible for a Christian to be grafted into the vine that is Jesus. A Christian brother, a Christian sister, lush with vegetation, abundant and woody growth, but with no good fruit. No love, no joy, no patience, no kindness, no goodness, no faithfulness. No self-control. But thankfully, my father is the gardener. You'll notice one gardener. Your social media feed is not your gardener. A TV preacher is not your gardener. Contemporary culture is not your gardener. Your pastor is not your gardener. You are not your own gardener. There are people in your life who will delight in taking chunks out of you, but they're trying to make you look small. They're not trying to make you abundant. And they're doing that to make themselves feel good, not to make you grow, and not to benefit the people that should be enjoying the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life. My father is the gardener, a skilled gardener with a vision for your life, with purpose and care. He knows you and he loves you. Now you may be attached to the way you look, the way your life is built. 
your preference. Sometimes you have a choice to be bigger and leafier with no pain and no restraint and no limitation or to be fruitful. Sometimes I've been praying for you and I know that today is one of those sometimes. Obviously, you don't have to do what I'm telling you now. Jesus said, I am the true vine, which means other vines are available. You could give yourself over to hard work and self-development, attempting through perfect conduct and popularity and financial security, unrestrained flourishing to bear fruit. And you might even manage to produce something, but it won't be the fruit of the Spirit. It won't have the seed of the Word of God in it. Anybody heard of an avocado? Developed by actually a, somebody at University of Nottingham, food scientist in conjunction with St. Martin's College. It's basically an avocado, but it's not an avocado. This is an avocado. An avocado looks exactly like that, but its skin is made out of wax. And its stone is an unstoned walnut. And its flesh is made out of rapeseed oil and apple and all kinds of things. And it fulfills a great purpose. It avoids all of the environmental damage caused by bringing avocados from all over the world and by using thousands and thousands of litres of water to grow an avocado. You might have a great thing in your life, a way of being, a way of relating, a way of engaging, a set of priorities that you think is producing fruit. It's producing something that looks like fruit, it tastes like fruit, but it's not fruit. God wants to make you fruitful. So here we are at a point of decision. And I believe there are many of us here this morning at a point of decision. And you might think, well, I don't need to make a decision. In Growth Trap, we use an example. We say a man had three fields and in one of them he built, he, he, he planted a well-established garden with rockery and undergrowth and beautiful. In the other one, he planted weeds. And he decided not to make a decision about the third one. He left it empty. He went away for five years and he came back. And the one that was well planted was well established. And the one that was full of weeds was full of weeds. What do you think the empty one was full of? You will walk away from this room today, having made a decision to respond to this word. Not choosing is choosing. So what are the responses of an open heart to the voice of the Spirit that says he is the Messiah? You can have life through him. Well, the first thing is you can say is, God, I agree with you. I can't be fruitful on my own. Ask for his transforming power. God, save me. The second one is to make that decision to abide in him and him in you, loved by him and loving him. Overflowing with the love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control that he displays towards you. The word of God says, that's how they'll know that you're my disciples. Not because of your programs or your badges or your Bibles. By that overflow of the fruit of the Spirit, 
Or maybe this is your moment to accept his pruning. To accept, Lord, I'm big, but you want me small and fruitful. Lord, I'm growing abundantly in this area, but you want to limit me here because you want me to bear fruit there. Lord God Almighty, I surrender again. Let's bow our heads, friends. As I was praying this week, I believe there are people here. And this moment is the pivot upon which your life will turn. I don't say this lightly. But there are people here and you've given up on ever being fruitful. You've thought that all that there is for you is dwindling, is straggliness, is dryness. And the Lord is here in this moment. And he's saying, will you let me be in you? Will you be in me? Will you be grafted into the vine which is Christ? There are people here. And you have a new nature. But you're trying to get that new nature fed through different means. Through financial success. Through business Prosperity through personal relationships, through not putting a foot wrong in the eyes of those who judge you. And the Lord is saying, will you dwell? Will you abide? Will you choose to remain in me? Will you come close? Sit at my feet and learn from me. Dwell in my word. Dwell in worship. Hear the voice of the Spirit. And there are people here and you know that God is calling you to a pruning time. And you know, sometimes when we talk about this pruning time, we talk about it as being a fear-inducing. I want to tell you right now, it's only fear-inducing if you don't know the gardener. He loves you. He doesn't want to limit you. He wants to prosper you. He wants you to flourish and grow and be abundant. If you fall into one of those categories right now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, will you put your hand high in the air I'll see it and somebody will put a book in your hand come on somebody over here praise God there are others in this room somebody over here come on come on Jesus be Lord of my life somebody else over here anybody else in this room somebody over here somebody over here hallelujah somebody over here Don't walk away without turning to him. Placing yourself in right relationship with him. Somebody over the back there. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Lord, we trust. You are a good gardener. You love us. You desire us to flourish. We submit our lives to you. I'm going to pray a prayer while we're still in this attitude of prayer. 
For some of you, this prayer is your response. For others, you need to follow through by praying and talking with somebody. And for others still, it may be that we do a great course called Freedom in Christ. That's the appropriate thing for you as your next step. But I'm going to pray this prayer. And I can ask everybody, this is a prayer of commitment to Christ. If you've already committed your life to Christ, just say this prayer after me. But if you've made that decision today to be grafted into the vine, which is Christ, pray it with me for the first time or as a recommitment. Dear Heavenly Father, I accept that you are a good Father. Come on, pray with me. I receive you as the gardener in my life. Lord, I accept that I need power that is not mine. And I ask that you graft me into the vine that's Jesus. Give me new life. Nourish me. Nurture me. Make me what you want me to be. But Lord, my desire is that you make me fruitful. Thanks for joining us on the Heart Church Podcast. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, I want to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Visit our website, heart.church forward slash response. To find out more about Heart Church, visit heart.church forward slash connect. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.